Hi, I'm Kenzie. And I'm Emily. And this is The Claw Crypt. Crack open a cold one with us. While we discuss everything true crime, mysteries, conspiracies, and much more. In part one, we talked about the Anthonys and their classic American family, and then we got into Casey's lying problem and her surprise pregnancy. Then we talked about Kaylee and how she was kidnapped by Zanny the Nanny. What made this case odd was Casey never called police. Her mom did once she found out 30 days later, or 31 days after this supposedly happened. Then we learn Casey is so full of shit that it's coming out of her ears. Literally, I swear. Plus the blood and hair found in her trunk and uh, oh, the, the trunk smell too. Either smelt like rotting flesh or a maggot covered pizza. Yeah, I don't think it was a maggot covered pizza. Yeah, we don't know. Again, like in part one, all the quotes I have come from Casey Anthony and American Murder Mystery. I think by saying that we can't get sued. I'm not exactly sure, so I'm just hoping we don't get sued. Mm, we're fine. I mean, I'm <laughs> citing the source. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. Don't come at us. Okay, let's start with Zanida. Zanny the nanny. She's yes. the one that kidnapped Kaylee. Yeah, like, I'm curious. We what, need to talk about, about her. her. Police finally find Zanida Gonzalez, and they start to question her. Good. She lived 25-ish minutes away from Orlando, so she was pretty close to the Anthony home. But this Zenaida was not middle-aged. Uh, she was 25 years old. And Casey had said, we talked about it in part one, but Casey said that she was middle-aged. Also, 55-year-olds that call themselves middle-aged, stop. You're not going to live to 110. You are not middle-aged. You're old. Okay. Damn! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Tired of it. They're technically not a senior citizen until they reach 60. Then what are your 50s? Semi-old? It can't be middle-aged. The end of the middle ages. <laughs> I don't know. The three-quarter aged? Okay, so Zenaida had no idea who Casey or Kaylee was. Investigators looked oh? into her cell phone calls, uh, like cell phone records, her alibis, all that. She had literally never met Casey. How did Casey know about her then? Don't know. That's like um, a coincidence, I'm guessing, or something. Or maybe that is she, too fancy of a name to be a coincidence. Or she, like, heard uh, heard um, someone else say the name or something like that. I don't know. Was Either she, way. Was she actually a nanny? Yeah. Maybe she found her on, like, some, like, website or something and... Maybe. Just decided to use her. I didn't put this in here because there's not a whole lot out there, but there was a Zenaida, who I'm guessing is this Zenaida, who was a nanny, who actually... Um, sued Casey because she, for like defamation because she said that she had gone with Zanny the Nanny and she went by Zanny the Nanny but she had never met Kaylee or Casey before. Good. So, so far she lied about her job, Zanny, and the whole kidnapping story and a bunch of other shit too. This is just getting weirder already. Mm, yep. Now police are thinking Casey definitely had something to do with Kaylee's death. Um, body wasn't found yet in the investigation, but because of, like, the hair and the smell in the trunk and the blood. It's safe to say that she's more than likely dead. Yeah, they're looking for a dead body at this point. Like, they're not looking for a kidnapping. So sad. 
the KC lawyer's up right away. She's like, I need a lawyer. While she's still in jail, needs a lawyer. Casey knew she needed a good lawyer, so she got Jose Bias, who actually is a really well-known lawyer. Uh, he also worked on Aaron Hernandez's case, and I'm pretty sure we'll cover that one at some point. I've heard of her. Him. Him? Aaron Hernandez, yeah. Oh. Oh, I'm thinking of Aaron Cappy. He was, uh, I'm pretty sure he's the one that was like a football player or something like that. Yeah. Once he was involved, Casey stopped talking to police because like any good lawyer, he was like, nope, enough. You're done. Don't talk. Don't say a damn thing. Don't even say hi. <laughs> Literally, that's what most of the lawyers will tell you too, and that's so, the smart way to yeah, do it. Was just like, do not say anything. Yep. Only answer what needs to be answered. Nothing more. I was just hoping Casey was stupid and she would say something, but. Me too. Not really. Damn. Now, this is suspicious, because you would think a worried mom would want to help the police, and yeah, if you're in jail for kidnapping, get a lawyer, but she refused to help them in any way. This is your kid that you're talking about, so you're just making the situation worse for yourself. If you're in jail, yeah, get a lawyer, but my conversation with the lawyer would be, they're trying to pin this on me. Where's my daughter? Where's my daughter? How can I help the police without getting myself in trouble? Yeah. You know? Not just, I'm not going to help them at all. Okay, now we're talking about the search, because of course everyone's looking for Kaylee. Uh, Cindy and George were worried sick, and they still had no idea where the granddaughter was. So, um, they started looking, and they decided to do a huge, like, search campaign thing. Like, the flyers, and the billboards, and like, they got a lot of people involved, and I'll talk about that right now. Tim Miller was the founder of Texas Equisearch, I'm pretty sure is how you say it. Uh, he basically helped look for missing people. It was like a big foundation where like, yeah. they'd get big groups of people out and they'd all go search like on foot and they would get other resources. If people had like four-wheelers and stuff like that, they would bring in. Makes sense. So Cindy called Tim and he flew to Florida the next day to help with the news and Tim's help. More than 4,200 volunteers showed up to help. Wow. Search. That's a lot. That is a lot. Like, most of the time you'll hear of, like, 300 volunteers or something like that. Not in the thousands. Mm -mm. I mean, unless it's, like, a huge, huge case, which this will be, but at this point it's just a missing kid. That's all that's known to the public is a missing kid that was kidnapped by our nanny. Other than that, everything's, you know, private. That's good, though. That's the kind of urgency they should have on missing children. Mm Mm-hmm. So good for those volunteers. Well, I mean, I don't know if... Maybe Cindy told him, like, there was blood and hair in her trunk. So, like, he might have had the idea they were dead. Cindy might have told other people. But, like, I don't think... It wasn't public information. They did the whole shebang. Ground people, four-wheelers, divers, dogs. They searched for almost four weeks. Damn. Which is a long time, because a lot of people would give up after a few days. Literally. Especially in, like, Florida heat. Yeah, it gets hot. And humid. Oh, in the documentary, Tim said, quote, I... I was literally at the point of thinking Kaylee was going to be one of these missing that was never going to be found. During all this, Casey's recorded phone calls and visitation with her parents was released to the public. Good. Along with the 911 calls. This blew up the story, and now it was countrywide, if not worldwide. So everybody knows about it at this point now. Mm Mm-hmm. Good. And everyone pretty much thought the same thing that we thought in part one, which is she just wanted out of jail. Yeah. She really didn't seem to care about finding Kaylee. She's like, get me the fuck out of here. Yeah, the bare minimum Mm -hmm. that she could do. 
On August 21st, 2008, she was released from jail. Uh, her bail was paid. They did put her on like a house arrest type of a thing and they watched her really, really closely. So at least they weren't just like letting her go free. Yeah, they completely. were at least supervising everything she was doing. There was nothing they could do to keep her in jail though. They literally had no hard evidence besides what was found in her car, which hasn't Apparently been, is a pizza. Have Well, the blood and the oh. hair and stuff like that, but that hasn't come back from the labs yet. So, yeah, everyone was pissed because of how big this case had gotten and all the news attention and all the volunteers, everything like that. Uh, People were literally screaming outside of her house, pounding on her door. They were also mad that Cindy and George let her come home. Yeah, I wouldn't have let her come home. I'd be like, fuck you. But then again, maybe I would have just so that way I could keep tabs on her. Know what she's up to and have more of an insight and help the police more. Yeah, it got crazy, though. It was almost like there was about to be a full-blown riot in their front yard. Like, it was bad. Like, George was out there screaming at them to get off the property, and Cindy was out there yelling at them, and they were yelling back, and they were pounding on the door saying, you're harboring a child killer, and, like, calling them, like, really, really bad words. And (laughs) it just got intense. There's, like, news footage that you can look at from then. Not good at all. Damn. So, at this point, police have moved missing persons investigation to a murder investigation. Because clearly, she's probably not alive anymore, you know? I mean, it makes sense at this point. So, well, it wasn't, like, officially moved, but they started looking at it as a murder investigation. Uh Uh-huh. They still had no body. They didn't find her body yet. And you can do a murder trial without a body, but it's really, really risky. All it takes is for one person on the jury to say, well, there's no dead body, so how do we know she's dead? And then, boom, murder, case, gone. Literally. So it's like, what's the point of even bringing it to trial until you have enough evidence? And then you can't bring this person back to trial for murder because that's double jeopardy. Yep. So they spent a very long time waiting for the hair and blood and all that to come back from the testing and for them to get their results, basically, which takes forever. Yeah, it does. But they finally got the results back, and they were not as strong of results as they had hoped for. But they did prove that there was a decomposing body in her trunk. The hair was similar to one taken from Kaylee's hairbrush, and the air sample they tested was positive for chemicals found when there's human decomp happening. Uh, More on the air and hair samples later, because once we get into, like, the court stuff, it's easier to explain there. But anyways, more on the hair and the air hair and air samples hair and air later because during the whole court thing the people that ran these tests um, they talk about it and they explain it this is all they needed to arrest her for murder she was indicted on uh, in October of 2008 so now we're going to talk about the body on December 11, 2008 Roy Krog, a utility worker called in saying he found a human skull he pulled off the side of the road to pee in the woods he poked the skull with a stick, which is, like, rule number one, don't touch the body. No, you do not touch it because then it can link it to you. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Jose Bias points this out later when we get into the court stuff, but pretty much all the evidence at that point, just from that one poke, is considered contaminated. Oh. Yep, he thought it was just an old Halloween decoration until he poked it, and that's when he called in saying, like, uh, you gotta get over here. Anyways, the chief medical examiner, Jan... Garvali, I think is how you say her name. She has a TV show, apparently, called Dr. G. I haven't watched it, 
but it's about like medical examiner stuff and like dead bodies and I don't know I kind of want to look into it interesting Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's still going on but I googled it and it's true she did have a tv show and she is called Dr. G which is a lot easier than saying Garvalia so I'm just gonna call her Dr. G from now on okay I dig it Anyway, she noticed that the skull was about 20 feet off the road, but there was a lot of bushes, so you wouldn't have been able to see it from the road. So she Mm -hmm. was literally like, if there weren't bushes, you'd see the skull, like, clear as day. Weird. Yes. But okay. She also found two trash bags that were torn open in one cloth bag, and there was a Winnie the Pooh blanket with some of the bones. Aww. Which, I had a Winnie the Pooh blanket. So did I. When I was younger. Actually, I had a full-blown Winnie the Pooh-themed room when I was a baby. Yeah, my mom painted a whole-ass Winnie the Pooh mural on my wall. Mm-hmm. My grandma did that. Really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so fun. And then she repainted it when I was, like, 14. And even though I wasn't into Winnie the Pooh anymore, I was still a little upset because it was, it was cute. It was I liked cute. that room. She painted it brown. Like, such an old person thing to do. <laughs> even though my grandma's only, like, 60-something. My grandma's considered a senior citizen. So is my mom. (laughs) I told my mom the other day, I sent her a screenshot uh, from Google. I looked up how old is an antique. And it was like 40 or something like that, Mm -hmm. 40 years old. And I was like, mom, sorry to say, but you're an antique. And she's like, well, at least I'm not vintage. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the bones were all over. Clearly an animal had gotten to the bag and eaten the flesh off of the bones and scattered them. Plus... Being in Florida heat, like there was, there was nothing left on the bones no, at all. It was just the a skeleton. Humidity is probably decaying. It yeah. And that area was known for flooding, so she very likely could have been underwater at some point too. There was duct tape over the mouth, and near the bones, they found a pair of pink shorts and a shirt that says "Big Trouble Comes Small." So this is definitely a child. Yeah, DNA confirmed it was Kaylee. She was found less than a fourth of a mile away from the Anthony home. Like, literally around the block, pretty much in the backyard. Like, if you just went around the block, that's where she was. This is so sad. Mm-hmm. My heart. I'm trying to keep my opinions quiet because I don't want to ruin anything, but everything kind of, like, starts to click and stuff in a little bit. I just want to know why you do that to your own child. We talk about that, too. <laughs> oh, Dr. G told the press that the body was Kaylee's and it was a homicide. So, of course, this made everyone outside the Anthony home lose their shit. I was Even though say. <laughs> Casey is back in jail at this point, they are still, like, losing it out there. After Kaylee's remains were found, well, a month-ish later, in January 2009, George went to a hotel and he said, quote, I could not function after Kaylee, and then he, like, pauses, he can't even say body, was found. I drove as far as Dayton Beach, Florida, to the most rattiest hotel, took about 70 pills, and drank as much beer as I possibly could. He tried to kill himself after, which sucks, because that is something that will be used against him in the court thing, basically. Seriously? Yep. And George is Casey's dad, right? Yes. They basically, I don't really want to ruin it, but they basically say that George tried to kill himself because he felt guilty for Kaylee's death. Hard to say in a case like that, Mm -hmm. like that can really fuck you over. Oh man, I don't want to know where this is going to (laughs) go. Well, you add the fact that his granddaughter's body has just been found. On and they were the so fact. close to their granddaughter. Yeah, because they lived there. Yeah. And, like, they are basically caring for her. Casey much. was in jail for child neglect. She got out. Now she's back in jail for murder. Bodies found. Like, that's a lot going on. So it's a lot to process. Mm-hmm. So after this, they get a search warrant. Yay. We love search warrants. Yes. 
They finally had enough for a search warrant for the Anthony home. They hoped to be able to link items found by Kaylee's body to the house. Kaylee's room was Winnie the Pooh themed, so the blanket's already like partially linked. Could be a coincidence, but I mean, yeah. The white cloth bag that I talked about that was found by her body in the garbage bags, well, next to the garbage bags, was actually a laundry bag, and it came in a pack of two. Oh. The other one was not found in the house. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Duct tape was also found in the house, which, again, not that big of a deal because duct tape's probably in everyone's house. Yeah, but could still be crucial. All of that with the hair and the blood in her car, on top of the lying about everything, she got charged with first-degree murder and was going, it was going to be a huge trial. Like, massive. This was, like, considered the OJ trial of the century or something like that. Like, it got big. Everybody knew about it, so I believe it. Okay, now it kind of gets really interesting and kind of really boring. It depends on if you're into, like, court stuff and forensic stuff, but that's pretty much what the rest of this episode's gonna be, so. As you can imagine, finding an impartial jury was nearly impossible, especially in Orange County, Florida. When this happens, more than likely they would just move the trial, but instead of moving the trial, they actually brought in jurors from other places. Oh, damn. That's so weird to me. I've never heard of that happening. Me neither. I'm sure it's happened before, but this is the first one that we've talked about, at least, that, like, you take jurors from other places. Exactly. Cause That's like, weird. Dorothea was moved. Yeah. They'd I feel like it's a lot thing. easier just to move. And probably cheaper, because I'm assuming they have to pay for their accommodations while they're there. Yeah, like the gas mileage and hotel stays if, you, if you're from far enough away. But because it was such a big case, I mean, it makes sense to take jurors from other areas of the, you know, people who don't know Casey personally. Probably. I'm assuming that was their thought, is, like, get as impartial as possible, and if you get people from all over the place, then, I mean, that's about as impartial as you can get, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Trying to get the most unbiased opinions as possible. Other than the seats reserved for family and media, the rest of the seats of the court that, like, were in the courthouse were just given out to the public, and people were waiting in line for, like, three days to get these little, like, ticket things that said they could be in the courtroom for this amount of time on this day. Jeez, what? Insane. And it got so crazy. There was literal, like, people would budge in line, obviously, and then there was, like, full-blown fist fights about it. Just to see Casey in trial. Like, that's <laughs> insane. That's intense. Like, I don't get it. I get this that. isn't, like, a, you know, world-famous star performer show. This is a court case exactly. on a child. Damn. Yeah. Anyways, the charges were first-degree murder, aggravated manslaughter, aggravated child abuse, and uh, those are all felonies, obviously, but then she was yeah. being charged with four misdemeanor counts of providing false information to law enforcement. Good, because she provided a lot of false information. Oh, yeah. And they only got her with four counts. Which? Only four? Only four, which I feel like she probably lied to them more than that, but... Yeah. To get more information on Casey before the trial started, they did an interview with Casey's childhood friend, Keo Marie Cruz. Yes. That's how you say her name. First name, Keo Marie, last name, Cruz. Got it. Very confusing, I know. <laughs> In the interview, she said, quote, When Casey found out she was pregnant, I asked her what she was going to do about it, and she was like, oh, I really want to give it up for adoption. And so I figured, you know, it's a good idea, but then she called me back saying her mom pretty much told her no, that she needs to keep the baby, and that she was not giving it up for adoption, even though she really did not want to have this baby. This was a recorded conversation that was used at trial. That's so sad. Mm -hmm. I think we talked about this a little bit in part one, but at first I was like, why would she care what her mom thinks? Like, if she wants to give the baby up for adoption, she can give the baby up for adoption. 
But Casey was living at her parents. Her parents were literally providing for her. So, in a lot of like instances like that, you got to do what your parents say, otherwise they're going to kick you out. You're going to be left yeah. with no place to go, kind of a thing. So, I don't, if that was what the case was, then I, I can see they, it. But I don't think they actually said like, "Oh, I'm going to kick you out if you don't." But like, it's probably just an excuse she used. Yeah, I'm guessing for whatever fucking reason. Maybe she found out that she could get money from having a kid because you do get money from having a baby. So maybe that's why she was like, Some "I'm going to keep it because they're going to pay me." Well, I know in a lot of places you get paid, like, X amount of money for, like, child care and stuff like that. Like, the government, I know at least in Minnesota they do. It depends on, like, how much you make, where you live, if you have a job, are you in college, if she's living with her parents still and she's not paying bills and that's already taken out. She doesn't have a job, though, so maybe. I don't know. What if she's, like, doing drugs and shit like that? Like, I'm assuming she was. She was smoking weed. I know that for sure because there was photos of her doing that when the, in the whole 31-day talk we had in part one. Yeah. I feel like she was definitely doing more than that, though. Probably. And, I mean, no, I don't think she was getting any money because she was stealing checks from her friends to pay for Target trips and beer. I don't know. It's just weird to me. Okay, anyways, on May 24th, 2011, the trial begins with Judge Belvin Perry. The prosecutor's side was saying she wanted to live a child-free life, basically. That's not how you live a child-free life. Yeah, but that's the prosecutor's side. They were like, oh, she killed Kaylee because she didn't want to have a kid anymore. She wanted to go back to being, well, I think she's like 22. I'm pretty sure she was 22. And like partying, having fun, going out with your friends, doing all that, not having to worry about a babysitter or like paying for food for your kids, stuff like that, and she wanted to have her boyfriend, and, like... It's know. a reasonable thing to... Think. Yeah, for the... The... What do you call it? Prosecution? Yeah, like, the reasoning on why she would. Yeah. It's a good case to build, That I was guess. their... Well, the motive, I guess. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Motive. That's yeah. a good motive. The defense side, so Jose Bias said in his opening statement, quote, while the answer is relatively simple, she was never missing, end quote. That's how he started his opening statement. What? She was never missing. As simple as that, people. Yeah, pretty much. Then where the fuck was she? This guy's a really good fucking lawyer, but I hate him. (laughs) Not gonna lie, I hate him. How do you even defend something like this, though? You'll see. He basically said and fancy lawyer words on June 16th, 2008, Cindy went to work and George and Kaylee and Casey were home. Then they could not find Kaylee. They were like, oh my god, where is she? They looked around the house. Then George finds Kaylee in the pool floating. So George grabs Kaylee out of the pool and screams for Casey. Casey runs outside um, and at this point, Jose is pretending to be George very dramatically, like he's putting on a show says, quote, look what you've done. Your mother will never forgive you and you will go to jail for child neglect for the rest of your frickin' life. Oh. And then he said that Kaylee asked her dad for help. Now, according to the defense, Casey was pleading for help from her dad and so he helped dispose of Kaylee's body after she had drowned in the family pool. And since her remains were just bones, they really had no proof of drowning. How she died. Yeah. There's no lungs to prove that there's water in her lungs. George had nothing to do with this, but they're trying to pin it on George. Yep. 
What? They're trying to say it was an accidental death and that they were George just... helped dispose of the body. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Please don't tell me she fucking gets away with this, with this fucking... I'm not going to ruin it, because I have this set up in a very suspenseful way. I took a very long time organizing this outline. <laughs> I'm going to stick to it. Oh, my gosh. You're going to kill me. One oh. big thing Jose Baez said to the jury was when pets of the family died, he would do pretty much the same thing. He would put them in garbage bags and throw them out in the woods. This is already casting a shadow of doubt on the jury, because... If Jose is saying I mean, George disposed of the body and this is how he disposes of pets, so, like... It's, it kind of makes sense. Th they're probably thinking it's, like, second nature to him, almost, in a sick way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like this. Yeah. Prosecutors hoped the jury would see past the lies and focus on the woman that killed her almost three-year-old daughter. This is all in the opening statements. Um, they had not shown any evidence or anything like that yet. That's just the beginning. Like, it gets crazy, I'm telling you. Oh, God. The next thing the defense had to address was the lying. For years, Casey said she worked at Universal, and she also said she dropped Kaylee off with Danny the Nanny, but Jose had an argument for those, too. He said George taught Casey to lie when she was eight years old. How the fuck would he know that? I don't want to go into detail because I don't believe it at all, and pretty much everyone has denied this, and uh, I think Cindy and George have both been through enough. But yeah. basically, Jose was saying that George would sexually molest Casey and oh my God. force Casey to lie about it. The actual quote is, it, is it all began when Casey was eight years old and her father came into her room and began to touch her inappropriately. It escalated. She could be 13 years old and have her father's penis in her mouth and then go to school and play with other kids as if nothing ever happened. What the fuck? Yeah, he said that. <laughs> but what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. God. In the courtroom were Cindy and George, but they were told by the judge before this even started to not show any emotion or anything like that because they needed to maintain composure. When they asked him, have you ever sexually assaulted your daughter, Casey Anthony, he just responded, no, sir. So, there's that. Then they asked him, or they asked George when he was home when Kaylee died, and he said... Quote, no, when I heard that today, it hurt really bad. When watching the court footage, you could tell he was, like, really struggling to talk because he was literally, like, on the verge of just sobbing and losing it. Like, I mean, that's got to be something that's really difficult. I mean, you, and especially not knowing what to say because anything you say could be used against you. Yeah, I mean, he's not on trial, but he's probably thinking, okay, like we talked about in part one. Do I help catch my granddaughter's killer, or do I protect my daughter? Which has got to be a really shitty situation to be in, but I'm sorry. If I had a kid and they killed my grandkid, I'm I'd throwing like, them under the you. bus. Yep. Because I'll arrest you they, myself. They Citizens shouldn't have arrest. done that. I'd be so disappointed in my child. I'd be like, what the fuck? I know sure as hell I didn't raise you. <laughs> yeah. Bye. In the documentary, Cindy said, quote, We had already been forewarned that Jose was going to throw George under the bus. The state attorney's office had notified our attorney and said that Jose is going to say that he sexually abused Casey and and we were like, where is this coming from? I mean, it was out of left field. And even when the like documentary people, the interviewers, I guess, they asked him if he had ever done anything to Casey at all that would make people think this. He just said no. Like, absolutely not. Not, no. 
Not that anyone would ever admit to that, but like, I don't know. He seemed really hurt about the whole thing that he was being accused of it, so I believe him. Not knowing who he is as a person makes it really hard to decide whether or not... Well, he was, like, not saying cops can't do this, because they have, but he was an ex-cop, and he did all of this, and he... I don't know. He I seems like, like a good Samaritan. Yeah, and I feel like Cindy probably would have at least said something or had, like... She seems like a genuine person who, she, like, if this would have happened, she would have reported it. Yeah, or, like, if it happened to Casey and she was at least slightly worried about it and Casey and Kaylee lived in their house, I feel like she would do everything possible to make sure Kaylee wasn't home alone with George. Yeah. She was already so worried about Kaylee being missing and, yeah. like, when... She called the cops on her own daughter just to try to get her arrested for stealing the car and whatever. Like, it just, it would make sense for Cindy to say something if something like that was happening. So the defense goes for a really long time, and the prosecution goes for a really long time, and they go back to the defense, back to the prosecution. But, like, in direct response to this, when it was the prosecution's turn, they played a recorded phone call from jail on the first time Casey was arrested for child neglect. And she said, quote, I miss you guys, and I love you, and I just, you've been the, you've been a great dad, and you've been the best grandfather, don't for a second think otherwise, I want, let me pause you right there, if she's calling him the best dad and the best grandfather, automatically kind of cancels out the theory that Mm -hmm. her lawyer was having, okay, okay, continue. I want to see all of you, but I wanted to see the one person I've been so far disconnected with from the, for the longest, and that has been you. Which is weird, because in the conversation in part one, she said that she knows these conversations are recorded, so if she was going to plead that her dad sexually assaulted her or molested her or whatever, then why would she say this? Literally. In January of 2009, George Anthony attempted suicide like we just talked about jose bias used this against him in court he said quote i needed in that time to go and be with kaylee later in court he also said quote i believe i failed her then the judge asked if he needed a break because he was literally sobbing at this point because this is right after being accused of sexual assault yeah it's a lot and he said no sir i need to get through this i need to have something inside of me get through this rough like this man's going through it i feel so bad I do, too. My heart goes out to poor George. Then this is kind of when they said that he tried to kill himself because he felt guilty about Kaylee's death. So, that sucks. Now let's talk about the prosecution. We love these people, as long as they're not in court with us. Yes. (laughs) As long as they're not the ones going against me, we love them. Yes. Jeff Ashton was one of the main prosecutors on the case. They used every little piece of evidence that they had in court. Like, they brought it all They started with her car and the blood and hair. First, they had to prove that there was a body in her trunk. The cadaver dog alerting on the car is not 100% proof. Think of it like a drug dog. If it alerts on your car, it gives police probable cause to search your car, but it does not necessarily mean 100% that they're going to find anything, and they can't use it against you if they don't find anything. Hmm. Like, if a drug dog smells your car and alerts on it, police can search your car all they want. If they don't find anything, they cannot arrest you on drug charges. It just gives them probable cause to search. So same thing for a cadaver dog. Yeah, makes sense. But they brought it up in court anyways, because obviously that's like red flag kind of, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had to prove there was a decomposing body in their trunk, and 
do that. Dr. Arpod Voss, which I think of AirPod. Yeah, like, that's literally what my brain went to. <laughs> it's Arpod Voss went on the stand to explain the test that he did for the air sample that we talked about earlier, which is actually called Decomposition Odor Analysis, or DOA, which also stands for Dead on Arrival. It's a little dark both ways you think about it, but, yeah. you know. He said they take a piece of carpet, the blood-stained carpet that they found on the floor, mm-hmm. in the car, old trunk, I guess, and they put it in this weird paint can style container where it's like metal round and it's got that lid that you like hammer on and you gotta like pop it off with that weird tool or screwdriver i think i know what you're talking about like wall paint okay yeah and like those weird cans they put it in a can that looked like that but it was really small and then they so they heat it to like a certain temperature and they use this weird syringe looking thing and they like slurp up the air that's in there and then they put the air into this machine that separates each different chemical compound so that you can see what exactly what chemicals are in that air sample. Okay. So really cool high tech stuff. Then they determined that the chemicals that were released when a human is decomposing were in Casey's trunk. Now they had to prove that the body was Kaylee's, which they already did through DNA testing, but there's more to the DNA testing than just, like, the... Well, the like, hair and the blood and the... There's more to the identification of Kaylee than just that. Okay. We get a little dark. That is when they turn to the hair evidence. Now, just so you guys know, there's no such thing as a hair match. They're only allowed to say that the hair is microscopically similar to the one found in the car. If the hair had roots, they could do a DNA test to link it to somebody. And that DNA would be considered a DNA match. It makes sense because, like, somebody could have very, very similar hair. And so, like, just basing something off of hair could lead to a lot of, um, like, mis-evidence. What they did was send the hair to the FBI lab, and they looked for similarities between the hair in the trunk and the one found in Kaylee's hairbrush. Once they saw that it was similar, they moved on to mitochondrial DNA testing, Hmm. which is very interesting. I had no idea what this was. I've heard mitochondrial DNA in science class before, but I never really paid attention to it. Like, not gonna lie, I had no idea what it was until I looked up this case, even though I've The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Yeah, but mitochondrial (laughs) DNA. DNA found in the mitochondrial. Chondria. So they're looking into the powerhouse of your cells for their DNA. Pretty much. Hmm. Mitochondrial DNA is something you only get from your mother. Interesting. Okay, so to get the mitochondrial DNA from a hair sample, you can test the shaft of the hair, so you don't need the root at all. As long as you have a strand of hair, you can get it. Damn. So very good. They found that. Good deal, good deal. Yes. I like this. Anyways, it was a match. So this means the hair either came from Kaylee, Cindy, or Casey. Got it. It's got to be one of the three girls in that family. Really, it could be either, though. It makes sense if it was any of them. Yeah, but they get really, really precise about it. Mm. The hair was light brown and nine inches long, and it was virgin hair. For the men out there, that means hair that has not been dyed. Casey and Cindy's hair had both been dyed, and the length only matched Kaylee's. Dun, dun, dun! So that narrowed it down real quick. Oh, yeah. Good. Good stuff is happening. I like this. Okay. (sighs) This is not as big of a deal as it may seem. Casey could have put something in the trunk that had Kaylee's hair on it, so it's not rock-hard evidence, but it's something. Better than nothing. But 
The next thing they notice is a very dark brown band near the root of the hair. The band is known as a decomposition band, meaning the hair basically matched that basically match. Kaylee's was found on a decomposing body. Well, came from a decomposing body. Oh. Think about it. You technically have hair inside your head. Yeah, that's still growing. That's not, like, out yet. Yeah, and when your skin shrivels up and falls off. It's going to make a difference in the hair that's still inside of your scalp. Mm -hmm. Okay, I see what you're saying. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Now it's time for the prosecution to tell how they think Kaylee died. I remember the defense said that she drowned and then George helped dispose of the body, whatever. Yeah, I didn't even think about that part. Yeah. Dr. Voss went back on the stand for this. Um, the air sample, we're going to jump back to this for a second, that Dr. Voss had found, had high levels of chloroform. Which, chloroform is one of the chemicals that's released when a body is decomposing, but this is like crazy high levels of chloroform. So it, not the norm. Yeah, it shouldn't have been in that trunk at that high of levels. Okay. One of the theories as to how she died was that she used chloroform to knock Kaylee out and then put the duct tape over her mouth and face to suffocate her. Then they show what they found on the computer. From, uh, well, they took the computer from the Anthony house when they did a search warrant and they like pulled up on this big screen in court what they had found in the search history of the computer. And they found things like how to make chloroform. This was super um, important because it proved that it was premeditated. She was searching how to do it. Yeah. She knew what she was going to do. This was, like, planned. Yes. Okay. Then they bring back in Dr. G to explain the duct tape. Luckily, the tape was still on the skull. It had been in the woods for... A, it was there for a while. Quite a few months, with the rain and animals eating at the flesh. But somehow, the duct tape stayed on. This also proves murder. Why else would duct tape be over a two-and-a-half-year-old's mouth? Literally. On top of the fact that she was put in plastic bags is what they assume, because some of the bones were still in the bags, but a lot of them were, like, scattered around. Mm-hmm. Probably from animals. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's no reasonable explanation besides a planned murder for all of that. Makes sense. Okay. I'm going to put it all together. The prosecution believes on June 13, 2008, Casey used... Some homemade chloroform. It's actually really easy to make. You can make it out of different cleaning chemicals that you can buy at, like, the dollar store. Yeah. It's, like, really, really easy to That's make. That's scary. Yeah, I looked it up, and you you can easily do it. Careful with your search history. <laughs> yeah, but I, um, after this case, I am no longer going to be mixing cleaning chemicals. No. Let's just say that, because you I... You should never mix chemicals. Well, I used to put, like, the toilet bowl bleach in my toilet, and then I'd be like, hmm, that's not doing enough, and I'd spray some, like, kaboom in there, and then I'd put that powder shit in there. Have you never seen A Thousand Ways to Die? No. Well, yeah, but have you seen the videos on, like, TikTok and stuff, those cleaning videos, where the people, like, fill their sinks up with different chemicals? Like, these people are probably chloroforming, their, chloroforming themselves, and they don't even remember it. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I've seen out. so many people, <laughs> she started off with toilet bleach and then started putting a bunch of shit in there. I'm like, she's probably dead. Yeah, that's what I tried to do because I really I really wanted a clean toilet. We have an old, old toilet, so it's like a little stained and just like old looking. And I really wanted to get it white and shiny again. It didn't work, but it was kind of fun to mix a bunch of chemicals. But now after this case, I promise I won't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, please don't. <laughs> Oh, then Casey put the duct tape over her mouth and nose, making it impossible for Kaylee to breathe. 
Then she was put in her Winnie the Pooh blanket, put in the laundry bag, and then put the laundry bag into the trash bags, along with, like, some other stuff that, like, could be linked to her, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, evidence stuff. And then she put Kaylee in the bags in the trunk and drove to her boyfriend's house the next day and... Or she drove to her boyfriend's house that night, and then the next night, she went into the woods and dumped Kaylee's body. That would explain the, like, blood and stuff in the car, because she had been there for at least 24 hours in the trunk in the Florida heat, decomposing like crazy. Yeah. Oh, then prosecution brought friends and witnesses of those 31 days that we talked about, where she was, like, partying and drinking and doing hot body contests, smoking weed, going to the movies, shopping, doing all that crazy stuff, and all of them said that never mentioned anything about Kaylee being missing or she didn't seem sad. She just seemed like normal old Casey. She was finding other resources to help look for her child. She wasn't, though. Yeah, I know. She didn't even do anything. Her resources were a hot body fucking contest and partying and all sorts of fucking shit. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> one of these people was Tony Lazaro, who was Casey's boyfriend that we talked about in part one. He testified and said they went to Blockbuster Movie on June 16th, and they rented two movies. They were seen on camera, like, hugging, being all PDA in the store. Okay. Kaylee was killed on the 16th, so more than likely, if they had <gasps> drove Casey's car, Kaylee was in the trunk. Oh my god. Then when asked on stand how Casey was acting that day, he said, quote, Happy, happy to see me having a grand old time. What the fuck? She probably just killed her daughter and she's like, let's go to the movies. Or go to Blockbuster and get the movies. Whatever. Yeah, she's crazy. Clint House, one of the roommates we talked about from part one, was actually a DJ that worked with Tony. So they were like DJ bros. They they did DJ stuff together. Yeah. They were DJing at the club when Casey did the hot body contest. Oh. Yep, photos of the hot body contest were obviously shown to the jury. The lady was literally twerking, not even two days after she'd killed her kid. (laughs) Out there shaking her moneymaker and Mm -hmm. fucking, oh my god, and your child is... Yep. Back to the defense, Jose Bias needed to put doubt into the jury's mind. After all the convincing evidence was revealed, he had, a, had like, a pretty hard job, I would say. Yeah? He started with the trunk. He said that there was no dead body in the trunk at all, but the smell was actually a bag of trash that Cindy had, or Casey had forgotten to take out. Yeah, because a bag of trash leaks, leaks fucking blood and hair. Mm-hmm. This also went with, like, Cindy's maggot-covered pizza theory, so that's kind of where he was going with it, I'm guessing. This is just irritating. Yep. Cindy said on the 911 call when she said it smelled like a dead body had been in the car, she was exaggerating so that the police would get there faster. Did yep. Cindy say this? She literally said on stand that she, like, she's just trying to get the police there faster. Little did she know there was probably actually a fucking dead body in there. Well, in part one, we talked about um, how she had been, like, she worked in a morgue before and has definitely smelt a dead body like she said like oh i know what rotting flesh smells like and this wasn't it lady (laughs) Uh now jose had to debunk what dr voss had said about the decomposition chemicals and stuff like that jose pointed out the fact that this was the first time dr voss had given testimony in court and it was the first time the method had been used in an investigation Then he explained to the jury that this technique had never been used in any other forensic laboratory in the U.S. Mm. And he invented the method. So, 
There it goes. Out the window. That's all gone. Fucking A. Then he drops the big bombshell and says Dr. Voss isn't a chemist at all and he has a PhD in anthropology. Making Dr. Voss basically sound like a non-credible witness. You gotta be <laughs> fucking kidding me. Nope. That's how it went. I have no fucking words. <laughs> yep. Then he talks about the chloroform levels in the car and he explains that chloroform is found in many places including cleaning chemicals. Cindy explained why the chloroform searches were in her computer. She said that she was looking up chlorophyll and... What, know, did it autocorrect to chloroform? No, you know how you type in a few letters to Google and it'll come up with possible things that you're searching for? Yeah. It did that kind of thing and she accidentally clicked on how to make chloroform instead of chlorophyll. Mm-hmm. Accidentally. She said she was looking up chlorophyll because one of the dogs had gotten sick after eating bamboo leaves in the yard and according to Google, chlorophyll actually has purifying properties that can help sick dogs. I don't know how true it is, it's just what I found on Google, so... You know, I, that's what she said she was trying to do. And I looked up how to make C-H-L-O. Chloroform did not pop up. So, yeah. I don't know how she found it on her computer, but okay. Hey, hey, hey. This is... This is gonna be the end of me. Yep. This is a good time to say when the searches were done, uh, Cindy was at work. Like, her time card shows she was at work. She said if the searches were made on that day, then she was definitely home. She said that, like, okay, so she was at work, according to her work time thing. Like, she was yeah, clocked her time in card. at work. Computer was at home. Yes. She said, oh, well, if the searches were made at this time on this day, then I was at work, or I was at home. I wasn't at work. I don't care if the times line up. I was at home. Like, okay, lady, that's not how it works. What is she trying to accomplish here? She's protecting our kid. I don't know. Fuck that! She murdered her child! Yep. Oh, my... Then the defense uh, talked to Roy Cronk, the guy who discovered the body, Mm -hmm. and he admitted that he had poked the skull with the stick in the eye socket of Kaylee. I bet that guy feels so bad. (laughs) Yeah, he said, quote, I apologize for doing so, but, like, I said, I did not know what it was. Uh, This is contamination of a crime scene. So now any evidence the jury has heard about the scene is going to be doubted. So like the laundry bag, the Winnie the Pooh blanket, all that stuff. This is stressing me out. Okay. All I can imagine is, um, you know Kronk from Emperor's New Groove? Yes. The big tough guy who's really stupid. That's why I googled when you said his name. Yes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All I can imagine is Yzma being like, you fucked up the vials and turned him into a llama and now you poked Kaylee in the eye. (laughs) 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 That's all I can think of. Now let's move on to what Jose said about the tape. Jose had a different pathologist do another autopsy. Uh, It was Dr. Werner Spitz. (laughs) Putting on Spitz. (laughs) Werner Spitz. But Werner is spelt with a W, not a V. Really weird. Yeah, I thought it was Werner. It's probably like Spanish or something. I don't know. But he is well known. Uh, for the O.J. Simpson trial and testifying before Congress on the JFK assassination. Hmm. So, yeah, he's a, um, he's got, um, what's it called? Like, credits. You know. Credentials. Credentials, yes. He's, he's got a background. Hmm. History. 
In the autopsy, Werner said that because of how decomposed her remains were, it was impossible to say exactly how she died and where the duct tape was on her body. He basically said that um, there was no proof of skin found on the duct tape or duct tape on the bones. And being that it's duct tape and it was raining, it could have, like, moved around somehow and, like, you know. There's no proof that she was even suffocated at this point. Uh. One big thing he said was there was no DNA on the duct tape. And, of course, the jury loves when they hear the word DNA. Yeah. The letters DNA, I guess. But there was none found on the duct tape. So they were like, oh, DNA's being said? Oh, there was no DNA? Oh, what? so it must not have been. Mm-hmm. If I ever get put on a jury at a fucking murder trial, um... But, again, the area her body was found in flooded often. You got the Florida heat. You got the animals. It makes sense that you're not going to find DNA on the duct tape. Yeah. DNA like washes it, off. Yeah, and duct tape expands when it gets wet, too, so it probably, like, expanded. And the, and the shit, stickiness like, came off comes of off. It. Yeah. Because, like, like, have you ever tried putting duct tape on a pool to fix a hole? It doesn't last very long. Oh, I was going to say, I remember when I was little, I tried to duct tape my mouth, and then I took my tongue, and I just licked, and it fell off, and I was really disappointed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like... Oh. So, if you ever get kidnapped <laughs> and they duct tape your mouth, just lick your lips a lot. <laughs> that type of thing. I feel like it goes with the chloroform method that they said because I feel like if if Kaylee was awake even as a kid you know you're gonna be screaming you're gonna be like and uh, even when you scream and you breathe saliva's coming out of your mouth exactly so I feel like she would have been able to get the duct tape off if she wasn't chloroformed if she's chloroformed she's passed out she's not Mm -hmm. screaming there's not as much like condensation coming from your mouth yeah. Okay. Mm. Now we do another breakdown because there's a lot happening. Jose had now made the jury doubt the air sample, the crime scene, the computer searches, the chloroform, and now the duct tape. This is a big win for him. Uh, this is all him trying to prove that this is not a murder case and the Fuck whole him. trial is about murder. Fuck so him. He's throwing everything out the window. <sighs> Jose also called all their friends, all her friends and boyfriends back on the stand and asked some questions about Kaylee and Casey's relationship. All of them said that she loved Kaylee and they never saw any abuse, neglect, or anything except for a loving, caring mother. They lion. End of trial. <laughs> In the prosecutor's closing argument, Linda Burdick asked whose life was better off without Kaylee dead. Then a big screen pops up and she showed the photos of the hot body contest with Casey grinding on another girl and... Then she shows a picture of her Bella Vita tattoo, the beautiful life and Italian tattoo she got. Mm-hmm. And she basically just said, there's your answer. They also wanted to get her for the death penalty, which, I mean, reasonable. She killed her kid. Yeah, I'd want her to get the death penalty, too, because fuck that bitch. Then it was Jose's turn for his closing argument. He basically explained that there was no proof of how, when, or where Kaylee died. And he ended with a photo of Kaylee opening the sliding door to the back of their home that went to the pool. So it showed her being able to open that back door. Oh my god. Yep. On July, or on July 5th, 2011, after 33 days of trial, the jury deliberated for, guess how long? Oh, probably a long fucking time. I'm guessing at least Well, okay, for reference, Dorothea Puente took 24 days. Oh, they probably took, like, two months, then. Ten hours and 40 minutes. What? Yep. In the documentary, Judge Perry said, quote, I 
read it twice because I wanted to make sure I saw what I saw. Then the clerk said, quote, the state of Florida versus Casey Marie Anthony as to the charges of first degree man or first degree murder. We, the jury, find the defendant not guilty. No! <laughs> You're fucking kidding me! She was found not guilty of first-degree murder, aggravated manslaughter, and the aggravated child abuse, but she was found guilty of the four counts of providing false evidence to police, which were all misdemeanors. She got timed, served. Right after they got out of court, um, there was a press conference, obviously, like a lot of big cases, and Jose said, quote, I know I can go home, and my daughter will ask me, what did you do today? And I can say, I saved a life. Like, okay. Uh, yeah. What? Yep. No, you just... Oh, yeah. my God. Afterwards, uh, <sighs> jury got death threats. No surprise there. Russ Huckler, I believe is how you say his last name was one of the jury members, and he said he got a thousand emails telling him he doesn't deserve to breathe because Kaylee didn't breathe. Yeah, no. They're right. Mm-hmm. As you can imagine, the public was pissed. Lots of threats, yelling, violence. Like, shit kind of um, went crazy in that town for a little bit. It was kind of like Minneapolis. Yeah, when the whole George Floyd stuff went down. Oh, yeah. Minneapolis went nuts. It. The, yeah. We blew up, literally. We just... Riots, fires All the everywhere. Pent up anger from COVID was just let go. <laughs> well, not only COVID, but like the black community. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like um, everyone was like locked in their house for oh, yeah. like a year. People weren't going to work. Everyone was stressed out having to deal with family all the time. And like we all just kind of, well, I didn't, I didn't go to the riots, but everyone just kind of went wild, I think. They were like, yeah. fuck this. We had people boom. coming from other states just to riot in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. It was nuts. Okay, Casey mm-hmm. is free today and actually runs a private investigation firm. What? Yep. She is also writing a book on her story and has a very small relationship with her family. They reach out to each other, but not very often. Which makes me wonder if Cindy has uh, changed her feelings on testifying in court, saying that she thinks that Casey is innocent. But, you know. Mm-hmm. She does not have any kids, and she says she does not plan on having any. So that's good. Very good. Yeah. She made the news after a verbal fight in a bar about an ex-boyfriend with the girl he cheated on her with, and she got caught speeding 19 miles an hour over the speed limit and had to pay $256 in fines. Good. Mm -hmm. I hope she steps on Legos for the rest of her life. I wanted to end this by saying Casey is making a movie. Sometime later this year, (laughs) it was supposed to come out in 2020, but, you know, COVID. So far, I've not heard if it's going to be a movie or a documentary, but it is supposed to be based on her life. Just so you guys know, the film is being produced by her, so if it is documentary style, it's going to be biased as hell, and don't pay attention to it. I don't. She definitely did this. Even watching it will give her money. So if you see a film called As I Was Told that was produced by Casey Anthony, ignore it. Block it. Take it off your Netflix. I don't care. Boycott it. Report it. it. Yeah. Do whatever you can. Get it taken down. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that is Casey Anthony. I'm pissed. Mm-hmm. Because if she... Okay, so my thought process on this is if Kaylee actually drowned in that pool, yeah. why the fuck wouldn't they have just called authorities and been like, 
hey, my child just drowned in the pool. Or, you know, when they were calling about a missing child instead of just pretending she was fucking missing. Yeah. Being like, hey, she drowned in the pool. And how would Cindy not have any idea that this happened? Like, yeah. I feel like they'd be acting weird as heck, especially George. Yeah. When she got home from work. Literally. And like I said in part one, if you have a different opinion than me, please let me know. You can tell me on Facebook or you can email us at theclockcrypt at gmail.com because I really want to know if someone has a different viewpoint because I don't know how the fuck you see it. Yeah, I'm genuinely curious how people think that she's innocent because I wholeheartedly believe that she fucking did it. And I think most people do. Yeah. But I want to know if anyone else sees it differently. And I'm sorry about the stupid dog barking, but my roommate doesn't know how to take care of a dog, so... Well, there's fucking Casey Anthony, and I'm fucking livid about it, but, you know. You know. I'm surprised you haven't, like, known or at least heard about how this case ended because it was no big. I just remember hearing about the case. I never looked into it, and I probably should have, but I never did. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing it on the news and shit when I was in, like, middle school. Like, hearing the name and shit, and then I kind of just forgot about it. It's a crazy case, and I don't know how she's out and how she is free and how they haven't tried to at least somehow, through some sort of loophole, retry her and get a different jury or something like that because it's insane. Like, I don't understand how she's innocent. Yeah. They, well, okay, they can, but certain things have to happen and certain things had to have had happened in order for a retrial to happen. It's going to be really hard for it to happen. And it can't be the exact same charges. And in the first case, they got her for first-degree murder and aggravated manslaughter. So those two charges are already out the window, which are what she was technically guilty of. There's Casey. (laughs) Make sure you follow our podcast for some more um, cases and shit. Uh, I promise the next one I do won't piss people off as much. I was going to say, I'm pissed. I'm tired of being pissed. I'm pissed of being pissed. I like doing cases that piss people off because I get to see firsthand what Emily's reaction is. And it's really entertaining for me. (laughs) It's not for me. I'm angry. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I'm going to go like... I don't even know. I want to go smash some plates or something. Uh, okay, guys. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you know when we come out with some new episodes. So uh, subscribe or follow whatever the fuck the word was for our social medias. You know, it's at the Claw Crypt or at the Claw Crypt Podcast. Depends on where you go. We're on Facebook and Instagram the majority of the time. Fuck our Twitter, like I say, every time. Um, if you have any ideas, suggestions, or stories of your own, <laughs> you really that loud. was a big um. <laughs> you were like, that whole thing is an um. <laughs> um. <laughs> if you have any stories, ideas, or suggestions of uh, wait, any suggestions, stories, or wait. <laughs> Ideas, suggestions, or stories of your own. <laughs> you could message us on our social medias or you can email us at theclockcryptpodcast at gmail.com. Or no, it's at theclockcryptgmail.com. I'm sorry, I fucked that one up. And come back next time. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>